the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One down, 179 to go. Yep, today was the first day of school. I think they still do 180 uh, for most of the kids around here. And so we're going to spend some time talking about school today. A couple of things uh, got my attention on that subject in the last few days over the weekend. Um, A couple of days ago, I ran into a guy who went out of his way. This guy I knew for a while, I've known for a while. He, He went out of his way to avoid public school and paid a ton of money to send his kids to a really good private school. At least I thought it was good, and maybe it used to be good. I don't know, maybe it still is, but this guy told me that he's decided to yank his kids out of there and send them to public school. He's one of the few people who really exercise the right of school choice because he can afford two kids uh, in a private school. Uh, Not everybody can do that, so you're stuck in the public school that the government makes you go to, your kids go to, but now he's chosen the public school, not necessarily because the public school is any better. He figures it can't be worse, which is a problem, but he was paying a lot of money to go to this private school, and it's one that you've heard of, and it's not about bad teachers. It's about what his kids were being taught. Maybe the teachers are actually good at teaching, and that's the problem because it's what they were teaching him, at least what he figured. He got the feeling that the school had been hijacked by people with an over-the-top progressive agenda. And he didn't want his kids exposed to it. And he said that he's not alone. A lot of parents will be bailing, according to him, uh, which would you think would mean a lot of money lost to the school. But what I found interesting about his story was that he chose to escape from what he believed would be a liberal agenda at the public school and found out there was no escape, uh, you know, despite being willing and able to spend lots of money. So, so today I ran across a story. Of, this was really scary. We're going to talk about this one. Uh, it's just a story about the Democratic Socialists. It's actually the Young Democratic Socialists of America or something like that. Um, they're all excited now about encouraging their followers to get into teaching. The Young Democratic Socialists of America, I think they're called. Now there's a uh, now that's just a really scary name. But uh, they put out an 11-page fam- pamphlet. And it says, and this is, a, this is, I think, a quote from it. Uh, it says, education is a strategic sector for socialists to infiltrate because it's already heavily unionized and offers a platform to engage entire families. Now, if you have a kid in school, you should find that very scary. This is what it says. Education is a, I'll give it to you again. Education is a strategic sector for socialists to infiltrate. That's a bad word because it's already heavily unionized and offers a platform to engage entire families. The title of the pamphlet is Why Socialists Should Become Teachers. Now, somebody should come out with a pamphlet called Never Let Your Kid Be Taught by a Socialist. Uh, maybe I'll have that pamphlet for you coming up soon. Uh, but coming up after the break, we're going to talk to an expert on education from the Cato Institute And uh, also in our second half hour, to give you an idea of the kind of variety that you can expect right here on the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. We're going to go from that to ESPN. That's what we're going to talk about. Two prominent ESPN women were in the news over the weekend. Jamel Hill was fired. Or they, they, she was fired. They, they said that there was an amicable separation, but she was fired. And she was paid two and a half million dollars to walk away. I've always dreamed of being fired from a job where I'm making that kind of money. And this let me take my chances with the $2.5 million. Anyway, also, uh, Michelle Beadle, who we talked about here on Friday for a little bit at the end of the show, she was transferred to NBA coverage after she said that as a woman, she feels marginalized by football. She also said football doesn't care about women or people of color. Not the NFL doesn't care or college football doesn't care about women or people of color. 
Football. I don't know if that means a football or the game of football. Of course, a football doesn't care about women or people of color. It doesn't care about men who are less than six feet tall like me either. It just, you know, you're marginalized. Deal with it. So whatever that means, that's what she said. Anyway, we'll be talking to the guy who covers sports media for the New York Post and worked at ESPN for something like seven years. We'll talk to him about that coming up. And we'll talk about sports media in general, but especially ESPN. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the socialists and their attempt to infiltrate your kid's classroom, if they haven't already. Marley Financial has done it again. These guys are just fantastic. Many of you know or have worked with our friend Todd Marley at Marley Financial. You also know that they were the first and still the best option for individual health insurance, providing both traditional and non-Obamacare plans. But now they're also offering the best group health plans in the nation, typical savings of up to 40%. Small, medium, and even large groups, Marley has got you covered, giving you and your employees access to national networks where you can go to any hospital, Highmark, UPMC, Mayo Clinic, or even Johns Hopkins. Marley gives you the power to choose what's best for you and your employees, whether they're W-2 or 1099 subcontractors, without the usual headaches of things like minimum participation or employer contributions. Call Marley Financial now at 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496. And find out what it's like to work with the most innovative agency in Pennsylvania. 724-884-1496 at MarleyFG.com. Don't pay double for your next home improvement project. Many companies are simply asking too much for windows, siding, and doors. You need at least three estimates. Just make sure Windows R Us is one of them. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofing, siding, doors, gutters, even shutters and downspouts. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward menu-style pricing, and the absolute fastest turnaround in the business. Windows R Us offers multiple financing options and will match any competitor's price. No hidden costs or final invoice surprises ever. And their no-loophole full lifetime warranty covers everything, including labor and glass breakage at no additional charge. Mention AM1250 and get an exclusive 10% discount for listeners of this station only. Why pay double? Before you buy, visit windowsruspittsburgh.com. They're more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company. windowsruspittsburgh.com. You know the moment. The workday is over. Your daily responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lie back. It's that end of day. Ah, that's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-soothing serenity made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Did you know that when you buy a mattress from a retail store, that mattress is being sold for the second time? What do I mean? Well, the manufacturer sells the mattress to the retailer, who in turn sells it to you with costs and markups for both parties. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have our own factory right here at our store. So the mattress you buy is being sold for the first and only time. That's why our prices are hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see for yourself. If this were just any door, and this were just any ignition, connected to just any transmission, in just any vehicle, then perhaps it would be okay to buy it from just anyone. But this is not just any car. It's a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz. Every detail has been inspected and road tested by highly skilled Mercedes-Benz technicians. And it's all backed by an unlimited mileage warranty for up to five years. Which makes the decision of where to buy one simple. Your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer. The certified pre-owned sales event going on now through August 31st. Come in today and take advantage of first month's payment credit and special financing offers available through Mercedes-Benz Financial Services. Because in the end, it's absolute confidence in genuine Mercedes-Benz parts, or it isn't. It's either Mercedes-Benz certified pre-owned, or it isn't. See your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer for complete details and limitations on first month's payment credit and certified pre-owned warranties. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. So, today was the first day of school for most of the kids around here. And as I mentioned in the open, your friends at the Young Democratic Socialists of America are now out there encouraging the people who are dumb enough to follow them to get into teaching. Because what what better way to spread the propaganda? 
Corey DeAngelis is policy analyst for the Center for Educational Freedom at the Cato Institute. Sounds like a pretty good guy to talk to about this. Thanks for being here, Corey. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. So how worried should parents of young kids be about the socialists infiltrating their schools? If it's only starting now and you have a you know a kid in the second grade, where's he going to be in the eighth grade? Right, so I'm glad you brought up the uh, 11-page report that was put out by the YDSA, um, you know, pretty recently, earlier this week, I think. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not too concerned about this for two main reasons. One is that the in the the, uh, the argument was made in the article that teachers unions would would give them power to to spread their word. Um, but the first reason that that's not very uh, very good is that the Janus decision was recently passed uh, this year in the Supreme Court, weakening the power of the teachers unions. Um, essentially, what that case. Uh, determined was that it was unconstitutional for teachers unions to force teachers to pay uh, union dues even if they're not union members. Because so previously, uh, teachers had to pay a lot of the dues even though they didn't want to you know, be union members in the first place. And then secondly, public school teachers don't really teach things all that well in general right now. So we have children graduating from high school in public schools um, that are not, you know, uh, proficient in reading or math. You know, in Texas, where I grew up, uh, it, it's estimated that less than a third of school of children going through the public school systems uh, test proficient in reading or math. So, uh, but it, you know, ahead. it. No, go ahead. Sorry. It, I, I would also like to say that, you know, we already have this system where we have a lot of highly left-leaning individuals in the teaching profession in the United States. There have been several estimates, you know, uh, a university study recently estimated that liberals outnumber conservatives at the university level 12 to 1. And another study has estimated that in the K-12 through sector, liberals outnumber conservatives 6 to 1. So it's a huge skew already. So I am a little worried that, you know, having an even more radical group, the Young Democratic Socialists of America, infiltrating the public school system could, uh, you know, reduce the likelihood that kids exit the system liking free markets. Yeah, well, um, are, are they, is it teaching that's a problem, or is it what they are teaching or not teaching that's a problem that results in kids spending 12 years in school and then not being able to read very well? Yeah, I think it's, it's partially not having a strong incentive to teach kids very well. And that's probably why, you know, only a third of kids graduate, uh, you know, proficient in math or reading in the public school system. Uh, because, you know, as you know, like you were saying with your friend earlier, it's very hard to exit the traditional public school system because you're residentially assigned to a government school. And the only way you can exit that school is to, you know, pay for the public school through the tax system and then pay for another school out of pocket for uh, a private education. So it's a very costly to exit the system, giving traditional public school leaders and teachers very weak incentives to teach uh, to teach well and to, and to teach the material that families actually want their kids to learn. And um, the, the socialist pamphlet says, and this is a quote from the pamphlet, education is a good spot for them because teachers can, quote, leverage their relationships with students and their families to engage in campaigns around police brutality, immigrant rights, and environmental justice. You know, how about reading, writing, and arithmetic? You know, especially if they're, you know, they're reading at the fourth grade level when they walk out the door with their diploma. Yeah, of course. The, uh, the progressive movement is, has for a long time been about focusing less and less on math and reading outcomes and, and academics and focusing more on social justice and whatever else they want to bring into the classroom. You know, I, you know, I went to a public school in high school uh, in Texas, actually, which is a very Republican state. And even then, um, you know, in my economics class, they never assigned Milton Friedman or Hayek. They, they assigned, you know, John Maynard Keynes, how to control the economy. It was a, a very progressive uh, curriculum, even in the state of Texas when I was growing up. So um, I think it's a huge problem, uh, even in states like Texas. So so where, like, you, as you said uh, a while ago when you went to school, you were taught by liberal teachers. Um, has this always been the case? And 
you know, where does it begin? I mean, obviously, there's uh, mm-hmm. a tremendous amounts mm-hmm. of liberal thought on every co- almost every college campus, and it's you know the faculty there. Everybody knows that they're ninety five percent liberal. So, I mean, where, where's the yeah. chicken and where's the egg on that? Yeah, I think part of it is at the university level. You know, like I said, a recent uh, Econ Journal Watch study uh, published in 2016 found that liberals outnumber conservatives 12 to 1. That's, that's over 90% liberal professors to conservative pr- professors uh, on college campuses. And I think just, um, you know, conservatives are just more likely to want to pursue other things. They might be more likely to start their own business than, than to go teach about how starting a business. Um, and that could be part of it. Um, and it could just be, you know, education departments, uh, you know, how how teachers get jobs is they, they go and get their bachelor's in, in education in education departments on universities. And the people that are more likely to come out of those, those departments are also more likely to have a liberal leaning as well. But, you know, going even further back than that, you know, if you look at where our, our public school systems, you know, came from, uh, was modern-day Germany. It was called Prussia. And the compulsory system of public schools actually originated in the 1800s in, in Prussia. And that's where we got our school system from. And it was really about teaching students how to be obedient to the government. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really what progressives are teaching uh, today in our public schools, how to expand the power of government. Um, so it seems like our public schools are doing what they were set out to do back in the 1800s, which is unfortunate. And there's no escape right now. I mean, there is. You can you can go to the school that my friend went to who now yanked his kids out of because it's too progressive. And I guess you can look around, and if you have the money, you can find a place to send your kids. But um, they're really, for the average person, there just is no escape. Yeah, there, for the average person, there's definitely not an escape. You know, 90% of kids are in traditional public schools right now, and it's not because people like public schools a lot. You know, a lot of people are not satisfied with their public schools. It's because they have to pay for the public school whether their kid goes to the public school or not. And it's really expensive to pay for two schools. Um, you know, one escape that I know of is, is, you know, a private school choice voucher program. Um, you know, and that would allow pr- parents to, you know, take their money that would have went to the public school and go to a private school of their choice, uh, including religious schools, you know, uh, courts all across uh, states in the U.S. and at the U- at the Supreme Court level have uh, have uh, decided that it's constitutional to take the public education dollars to a private school that that even could be religious uh, uh, for children as well. Well, I mean that that's a a theory or, or a, uh, an idea that's been around for a long time, but it's it's just not happening very very often or uh, in very many places, is it? Yeah, I will say there are 63 private school choice programs in the U.S., but unfortunately, less than 1% of the school-age population has access to actually exercise one of these school choice programs. And to be honest, most of these programs are are limited to low-income students, Um, and so these are very tiny programs, just very targeted programs, and, you know, what I'm, what I'm, so I'm, I'm not happy about that, but I am happy that at the state level, there are states that are actually trying to push for legislation to have school choice available to all families, um, whether you're low income, high income, whether it's a religious school or not. Uh, whatever school works best for you, you should be able to take the money to the school that works best for your child. Um, and recently, Education Next, which is a, a pretty great uh, education journal, uh, published a survey that's nationally representative, finding that the majority of the general public actually supports school choice for all families, no matter what you know your background is, whatever your income level is. So that so there's there's that's some good news, perhaps for for to, to look out for on the horizon. Well, the Republicans and conservatives have been in favor of this for a long time, and if mm-hmm. the polls show that most people are in favor of it. Sounds to me like a failure of the Republicans and the conservatives to turn what seems to be a desire for a product into the product being produced. Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, a a couple of years ago, Texas actually tried to pass one of these universal school choice programs for all students. It was was noted as an education savings account, which is kind of like a voucher program, but it's a savings account mechanism instead of a a voucher. Um, And the Texas uh, Senate actually passed it 
and the, the House blocked it, and it was a lot of the rural Republicans um, decided to vote against it. But you are right that historically, if you look at the voting population, um, you know, this recent Ed Next survey finds that Republicans are a lot more likely to support private school choice than, than, than liberals. Um, and I think the Ed Choice survey found about, you know, around 70% of Republicans in the general public in 2018 uh, supported private school choice programs for all students. Well, shame on them for not making it happen, at least in Republican areas where they keep winning elections and it still doesn't happen. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's something wrong there somewhere. Uh, we're talking to mm-hmm. Corey DeAngelis. Uh, he is he is the uh, policy analyst for the Center for Educational Freedom at the Cato Institute. Today is the first day of school. Getting back a little bit to that um, that scary organization, the Young Democratic Socialists of America. Um, what's scary to me, these guys, these weirdos also encourage their followers to get jobs as, as school secretaries, guidance counselors, psychologists, speech therapists, and parent coordinators. And I'm I'm not making that list up. That's right from the pamphlet. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Go so they're they're actually actually encouraging their followers to get into a school and become a guidance counselor or even a secretary to try to <laughs> influence these kids. It's pretty scary to me. It's like it's like uh, walking dead. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they're not very successful in convincing their followers to, to get into the education system. And even if they do, hopefully they're their followers are as successful as the traditional public school teachers are in, in not teaching uh, kids very well, um, so that these these this ideology does not get passed down to to our children. There is a you know in theory it could be that having radical teachers, um, radical progressive teachers in the public school system could decrease socialist views. And the way that could happen is if you know like if a if a crazy progressive that was extremely radical came up to you or I on the street today they'd probably turn us away even further from the ideology if they went too far. But what I'm worried about is that these are our kids. You know, a kid cannot use logic as well as you or I could on the street, and they could be negatively affected by these these radical views in the classroom, especially since, you know, we give our kids up at around five years old, and we give them over to the government and put them in in these schools that that have a lot of, uh, you know, progressive teachers. Uh, so, yeah, I, I am pretty worried uh, that, that this could have negative long-term outcomes. Well, you uh, wrote a piece for the Cato Institute uh, called Public Schooling. Is Public Schooling a Public Good? I only have about a minute and a half left, and I want to get to this, though, before you go. You write that public schooling has a net negative, negative externality of $3 tri- trillion. I don't know what that means, but it sure doesn't sound good. Yeah, so an externality is just... Tr- Econ, econ uh, major jargon, which just means effects on the rest of society. So, and and the the re, the way that I get to that three trillion number in that Cato Institute policy analysis is I look at the best evidence we have on private school choice relative to traditional public schools, finding that private school choice improves test scores, improves graduation rates, increases and uh, decreases the likelihood that kids grow up to be criminals. I compare all the best evidence that we have on that subject and find that government schools relative to a system where people could pick private schools has that net negative $3 trillion externality um, on society, uh, which is, which is pretty huge. So I, you know, I, the, the uh, title of that is, is public schooling a public good. And obviously I conclude with that with that analysis that public schooling is actually not a public good. Yeah, well, it, it might actually be pretty bad for the public. <laughs> yeah, three trillion. I, I, I now I know what a three trillion dollar externality, negative externality means. I know it's not good. Corey, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, that's Corey DeAngelis of the Cato Institute. Thanks to him. And when we come back, we're going to go from school to ESPN. Right here on AM 1250, The Answers. Stay where you are. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump has issued an official statement on John McCain two days after the senator's death. The president tweeted condolences to the McCain family on Saturday night, but offered no statement about the senator until late Monday afternoon. He said, despite our differences on policy and politics, he respects McCain's service to our country. Mr. Trump also signed a proclamation to fly the U.S. flag at half-staff until McCain's burial. 
In a written statement, he says he has asked Vice President Pence to speak at a ceremony honoring McCain at the Capitol on Friday. Greg Clugston, the White House. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer paid tribute to McCain today. Four decades of public life could not warp or dim his fidelity to the unvarnished truth. I will miss him dearly. On Wall Street, the dot by 259 points, the Nasdaq rose 72. This is SRN News. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. It's probably been about 10 years ago. I had quite a few credit cards. The interest on the cards was really high. I was making the minimum payments, but barely. And it was just getting to be too much, so I called Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976 to talk to a certified counselor. They met with me, and they were able to get all of my credit cards in one lower payment. Trinity will consider Consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment. Put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges. Reduce your interest and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. They did help me learn how to manage my money. Now, you know, we have a house and we're doing a lot better. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. My name is Holly and I am debt-free for keeps. 1-800-990-6976. Mike Gallagher sees more and more evidence of a corrupt media. Oh, ICE arrested a man who was trying to take his pregnant wife to the hospital to give birth. They found out he's wanted for murder. (laughs) And as soon as they found out he's a murder suspect, the story, it just vanished. If you want an example of a corrupt news media, here it is. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The Answer. If only Allegheny County's poor-performing school districts had more money, they could deliver better academic results, right? Sorry, but no, as a recent study by the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy shows. The arguments about inequitable and inadequate funding largely are a diversionary tactic to avoid discussing real solutions to address grossly deficient academic achievement. Learn more about this school funding red herring at AlleghenyInstitute.org, where conventional thinking has been challenged since 1995. From coast to coast, from sea to shining sea, it's a beautiful country out there. Discover it all in a new RV from Camping World, America's number one RV dealer. At your local Camping World, you'll find over 350 new RVs in stock, an ever-changing selection from America's top brands, including favorites like Coleman and Mallard of every class and size, all at wholesale prices. Say hello to a whole new world. Visit CampingWorldOfPittsburgh.com. Warning. Property protected by electric fence. Sharks sighted in water. There are a lot of warnings you don't want to miss. Bridge out. Especially when it comes to your identity and the personal information on your devices. That's why new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection now adds Norton Security for more protection than ever. LifeLock uses proprietary technology to detect threats, like your personal info for sale on the dark web. And Norton Security helps protect up to five devices from ransomware and other online threats. Plus, if you have a problem, our agents will work to fix it. No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But missing a warning sign... Warning. Minefield ahead. ...could be dangerous. Join now and get 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card with annual enrollment. Just go to lifelock.com and enter promo code SMART. Terms apply. New LifeLock with Norton. More detection, more protection. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Heavy delays continue on southbound 79 at Crafton. There was some debris cleanup there. It's uh, all done, but still looking a pretty big backup through the area. Outbound on the Parkway East, you'll see a lot of delays from Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel and really heavy inbound at Twin Swissvale to the tunnel and County Jail to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound 28 is slow go from Veterans Bridge to the Highland Park Bridge. I'm Jenny Robinson on AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Any shower or thunderstorm in the area will be diminishing early. Clear to partly cloudy tonight, a warm, muggy night, low 70. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, very warm and humid with a high of 89 degrees. We'll stay mainly clear tomorrow night. Again, warm and sticky, low 71. Sunshine will be mixed with some clouds for Wednesday, high 87 degrees. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show. 
on AM 1250. The answer. Two prominent ESPN women were in the news this weekend. One because she got fired, another because she got a transfer. Jamel Hill, who had trouble restraining herself from making political comments uh, on ESPN platforms, I'm sure you're aware of her, was fired. Or if you believe the press release, they amicably parted ways. But um, she was paid $2.5 million. That would be amicable enough for me. And Michelle Beadle, who said she couldn't watch football anymore, was transferred from New York to L.A., and given a job on ESPN's NBA postgame show. She also got a contract extension, and she's making $5 million a year. Andrew Marchand uh, covers sports uh, media for the New York Post. He's with us now. Thanks for being here, Andrew. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, the new boss at ESPN said he wanted less politics. Uh, Jamel Hill disappeared from the air long before she was told to leave or asked to leave. Uh, so is this a message to employees uh, at ESPN and also viewers? Uh, in part, maybe. But, I mean, I think, you know, not everything's not done in a vacuum. So so basically, Jimmy Pitaro, who's the new president of ESPN for the last six months after John Skipper, the old president, um, resigned um, after a cocaine incident, um, Jimmy Pitaro has said that he doesn't want you know, ESPN, just delving into politics when it's not related to sports. Uh, and then Jamel Hill, since she was taken off SportsCenter, um, well, she kind of quit off SportsCenter, but she was going to be taken off SportsCenter. Uh, she really hasn't done anything, um, and she still tweets a lot about politics and still associated with ESPN. Uh, and so there really wasn't any relationship there in terms of ESPN using uh, Jamel, and so they they came to a decision to let Jamel go do her thing, uh, and probably is going to be a career in some sort of political way, and they can try to be more of a purely sports network. You know, I never figured out, and it seems to me that it's especially with politics uh, kind of uh, slipping into sports these days. Anyway, why wouldn't ESPN, with all the platforms they have and all the time they have to fill, why not just do a political show? And 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 have a, a conservative and a liberal and you know a mixture of of uh, politics and sports. It would make for an interesting show. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, they're a sports network. I don't know. But, Do you think you could have enough talk um, about politics that relates to sports? You're saying talk about politics and talk about sports. I don't know. I feel like that that show would kind of be um, you know splitting the baby, sort of in terms of who that would appeal to and. You know, here's the thing. You know, what's going on with Jamel was that she did tweet some things, uh, and there is a social media policy that ESPN has. She broke the social media policy, and Skipper uh, should have suspended her the first time, regardless of what she said, if you agree or disagree with what she said about right. uh, the president. It's just there's a, there's a policy, and she broke it. She's making $2.5 So if you want to make the $2.5 there's rules, and she broke them, and they didn't suspend her. Uh, and then, um, but... When you tweet all day, it's, it's hard to disassociate that for when people are on the air. So, so, so the point being to your question is that the, because the president got involved with ESPN, it became an even bigger issue and one that they really couldn't figure out how to, how to stop. And the only way, and so I don't know if adding more politics would really help. I just think it, it's very, um, as you know, polarizing, and I, I don't yeah. know if that helps ESPN. ESPN's a business at the end of the day. Right. Outside the lines, we'll delve into it once in a while when it's forced to, um, and uh, but they, they try to stay. Well, I guess I'm thinking more, not so much just politics, but cultural issues and, and things like that that, that uh, are sometimes referred to as politics, but they're not. But anyway, um, you worked at ESPN for several years, so you know a lot of people there. What's morale like there these days? Well, they're hoping that it's better. I, I think it's hard for the you know layman who's working there because you know they've had so many layoffs over the past few years of hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, so um, I, it depends who you ask, of course. I think overall ESPN isn't going anywhere. It's going to be a successful, important place in the sports landscape. Now, for the individual worker, uh, as they go forward, you know, with cord cutting, where people aren't getting as much. You know, having cable as in as many homes as it once was. I mean, they're losing you know millions and millions, if not billions, 
um, in terms of the revenue that they were bringing in. Yeah. And so they're going to they're trying to find other ways. They've started a new over the top distribution um, uh, app that you know with ESPN Plus, where they're they're trying to get people to subscribe there to to make up some of that money, but. Um, you know, it's a time where, you know, people, the, the, the ground is still unsettled under people's feet at ESPN. And, and it's going to be, you know, basically for how it's been for everyone in the media landscape, be it radio, newspapers, um, and now it's hitting TV, you know, pretty hard. Yeah, we just had a, uh, I just found out, I didn't realize this, but Pittsburgh is now the biggest city in America that does not have a seven-day-a-week daily newspaper. Did you know that? Uh, Post-Gazette is... Is, has stopped publishing on uh, two days a week. Their their newspaper. Yeah, it's a, sh- it's a shame. I, I do yeah. think, though, I do disagree with how a lot of people look at that. Though I do not that obviously I want newspapers. I work for newspaper, yeah. but I do think that those vacuums will be in terms of news. You know, mm-hmm. NFBK, Pittsburgh. You know, for sports, I do think there is a future for people. Um, but it just is going to look different. It's going to feel different in terms of information how it's provided to people. Uh, finding the right you know economic model has been difficult yeah I mean, dk has had some success in pittsburgh but the bottom line is that um you're right the world's changing and you know pittsburgh you, you guys in terms of newspapers and and what the internet has done uh you felt it yeah i uh my i have grandkids and they've never i don't think they've ever picked up a newspaper so you know they, i know it's sad a lot of people never even bought yeah, I don't, yeah. They don't even know what it is it's, just, uh, it's <laughs> uh, not it's not good now we still have a circulation of around I think it's either two or three hundred thousand a day, so we're doing okay, but yeah. it's still not what it once was. Talking to Andrew Marchand of the uh, New York Post, I, I read a lot of your stuff. I think it's really good, by the way, Andrew. And there's not enough—I don't think there are enough people writing about media, and sports, and otherwise. Um, but I, I, I found Michelle Beadle's comments kind of strange last week. Uh, it was after Urban Meyer was only given a three-game suspension, which I think most people think was ridiculous, and she said. Uh, this would be the second year that she wouldn't be watching college or NFL games because, as a woman, she felt marginalized. And that, I just thought that was a strange comment because should a porter, a reporter, allow herself or himself to be marginalized? And how could she take her paycheck for a year uh, when she said she wasn't watching any football and she's showing up every Monday morning? Well, for the show, it hadn't been football season, so I will give her the pass. But yeah. I, you know, the bottom line is. When she agreed to do the show, she obviously already knew she had this antipathy towards football. She wasn't watching it, she said, last year, and she had no plans to watch it this year. So it's kind of disingenuous to do a talk show. Now, I know some people say, well, you don't really have to watch the games. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you can do a show without watching the games. You can fake it. You can fake it, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, if you're in this business, you don't see everything, and sometimes you have to. But as a rule of thumb... If you're doing that type of show, see, here's the thing also. That show is not supposed to be outside the lines. It's not, you know, your super serious show. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to talk about things, and, and that means watching things. And, 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 you know, to me, going to events personally, you know, as someone who, who's uh, been a reporter and, and, and is a reporter and has covered teams, and, and I just think that there, you're on ESPN, there's a level of expertise that's kind of expected of you, and you're just going to say, I'm not going to watch I just, you know, she knew she was leaving as it turned out before she said that um, publicly. It's just, uh, to me, you know, you sign a big contract, you give the show, you don't really want to do the show, you give it five months, you show no enthusiasm towards it, it's not impressive. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I I never watched the show. I, I mean, I've seen, you know, 30 seconds at a time, two or three times. It's just not the time of day I'm going to be able to watch a show like that, and it's, it's really not something I'm interested in. So I'm asking this because I don't know, but is she good enough and valuable enough to make that kind of money and and then get a contract extension and that kind of accommodation? Is she that? Is it going to affect the ratings by that much by having her on or not on? No, no. Um, I look. She got very fortunate. John Skipper, who was the previous uh, president of ESPN, was not very good at his job, and you know that 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 worked out for some people because I don't know who they were bidding against to give her $5 million. That's uh, beyond belief uh, again, to me. great That's... for her. Well, I, hey, yeah, I hope she makes $50 million a year. I don't care. Exactly. No. Great for her. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't begrudge me. I wasn't getting that $5 million. Yeah. Um, and so good for her, but I just, to, the, the value proposition for a company, even one like ESPN that 
has been flush with money. This does not add up at all. Now, for a show like Get Up, you see, that's where her value could have been. Like, for the NBA show, she's good. Don't get me wrong. I actually like her on the NBA show. She's fun. She's good on that show, and she likes the NBA. But on a show like Get Up, that's a personality-driven show. So that the person who's the host really has to drive it. Uh, it just it, The show I've written about, it just was such a poor foundation that was poured by Skipper and company in terms of just putting that show together. I don't know. I know they have a million meetings. I don't know, <laughs> you know what they were doing in those meetings, but uh, it's just like go on and on. I won't bore your audience too much, but it's just in terms of giving people all this money to do a show, which kind of takes their hunger away um, because they already, they've already made it. Like what, what, what would be the definition of personal success? I guess it would be widely acclaimed. I guess that could be it, but they didn't want to really do the show in the first place. It just, it just didn't have a, a good feel. To, if, I was, if I was the one putting it together, I, I, I hope I would do differently. Yeah, there's sometimes, I mean, I worked in TV for a long time. I've been in the media, mostly sports, for 40 years. And um, I will see things like Katie Couric being named the anchor at CBS uh, to replace, uh, I don't remember who she replaced. It was a Dan Rather, I guess. But, I think Dan Rather. Yeah, yeah. Dan Rather. so, I mean, I look at that and I say, 15 minutes in, you're going to know she's wrong for the job. And so how come people who are paid lots of money and do all kinds of research to find out things like that, you see it all the time, where anybody who's been around television for 10 minutes will look at something like that and say, that's not going to work. Who are you kidding me? That's never so. I see that all the time. But um, uh, I, I, and you, you wrote in your column that the show, uh, the Get Up show, it was at its best when she was going off on Ohio State and Urban Meyer the other day. And I agreed with that. That that that, that actually, the fact that she feels the way she does about football and and if they're going to be talking about those issues that actually makes her a good fit for the show i think because of her perspective as a woman i agree i agree with you there and that show had good uh, a lot of focus because of the news of the day the problem is you can't do that every day i mean there's just right. not an urban buyer situation every single day where um you have those um confluence of events and, and, and the press conference etc where it's just you know you want to hear what people have to say um, so that, that, that's the problem with that. But yes, um, if your opinion is, but that's, that gets back to not watching the football though. I mean, then, but if you're out after, you know, it's a Monday and there's a big football issue and, you know, she's like, oh, I didn't watch it. Okay. You can watch the highlights, I guess, but it just doesn't give you a, a good feel. Um, and so, yes, could it work? It's just, the show is not supposed to be that. that. The problem is, like, the show is supposed to be people who enjoy sports. Right. Uh, I, I think. I mean, I don't really know what the show is. But in theory, that's what the show should be about, is that, you know, you, you hang out, you, know, you want to hang out with these people in the morning after uh, a big event or after, you know, just to find out what's going on. And they're, they're cool people you want to hang out with. And, you know, right at the top, if you like football, which the majority of people who watch ESPN, I would say, do, uh, she's saying, no, I don't like it. You know, and basically, um, she's not pointing the finger at you, but you kind of have to feel like, oh, wait, so you not like football? I mean, I just, you know. <laughs> and so I, I don't think that, you know, that works. But with the Myers thing, yeah, when she had a strong opinion and it was well thought out, yeah, that was good. The last thing for Andrew Marchand of the uh, New York Post. He writes, uh, covers the sports media there. Not televising the anthem. Is that going to be a, a big deal for ESPN? Are they going to have to answer for that? Is that going to affect their ratings? No, I don't think so. I really shouldn't. Here's the thing. That was misreported, in my opinion, because they haven't changed anything from what they've done in the past. They've never shown the anthem, even with the kneeling. Uh, and they've only shown it after a hurricane or you know some other national event, usually a tragedy. Uh, and so it's a patriotic time, and they've shown the anthem. Um, so, like, after Hurricane Katrina, I think they did. But in general, they don't. So, to me, it was more on the reporting of it was poor because it just they haven't changed anything. And then, uh, you know, the White House, of course, um, they jumped on it. And, right. You know, so, and that became a huge issue. Uh, but I would tend to agree with them. Like, I'm a journalist at heart and order as much as you can be covering something as silly as sports media. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I take it seriously. But I, I know what you're saying, yeah. But the but the uh, but the bottom line is um, when when you look at it, they are right. People tune into Monday Night Football. 
they don't want to be they don't want Michelle Beadle lecturing them or somebody no. telling them that you know dealing and talking about the issue. Yeah, you mention it, but that's you know for outside the lines or something like that. I don't think people really want to tune into it, and it just became but it becomes such an issue because of the president saying you know commenting on it and because of where we are with that topic, um, and so it's a very divisive issue, uh, and so. Uh, that headline ESPN won't show national anthem, especially when people put to appease NFL. Not accurate. Uh, you know, in some respects, they're not accurate, but they haven't changed anything. It's not like they were showing it. Now they're like, nope, we're not going to. Uh, so uh, it's um, you know a little bit of a uh, to me. Uh, Over. It will be an issue, but it shouldn't be. All right, hey Andrew, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I'll, uh, everybody should read your stuff. New York Post. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. That's Andrew Marshan. We'll be back. Obamacare, Trump Care, ACA, COBRA. There are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today. Fortunately, I know someone that has been on the forefront of health insurance for years, Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Worried about the penalty? All of Marley Financial plans are penalty exempt because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. Warning. Property protected by electric fence. Sharks sighted in water. There are a lot of warnings you don't want to miss. Bridge out. Especially when it comes to your identity and the personal information on your devices. That's why new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection now adds Norton Security for more protection than ever. LifeLock uses proprietary technology to detect threats, like your personal info for sale on the dark web. And Norton Security helps protect up to five devices from ransomware and other online threats. Plus, if you have a problem, our agents will work to fix it. No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But missing a warning sign... Warning. Minefield ahead. ...could be dangerous. Join now and get 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card with annual enrollment. Just go to lifelock.com and enter promo code SMART. Terms apply. New LifeLock with Norton. More detection, more protection. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Football is back, and so is tailgating. Whether it's Friday Night Lights, Saturday College, or Pro Sundays, Solaire Portable Infrared Grills set up fast and heat up quickly. Only three minutes to searing hot temperatures, just like the Big Backyard Solaires. The Solaire Grills will make you the master of the tailgater with the juiciest, most flavorful food in the parking lot. The fast grilling times leave you more time to talk up your team, and they cool down fast so you won't miss a minute of the game. The Solaire Anywhere and Solaire Everywhere portable infrared grills are perfect for any grilling on the go, from picnics to camping, RVs to boating, but especially tailgating. And they're made in the 
USA with the confidence of a 100-year-old family business. Amaze your tailgating friends with Solaire Infrared Grills. Learn more about these fantastic grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we got a couple of minutes left here. I should mention something about John McCain. Uh, should he rest in peace? Um, but uh, I, I just want to say that some of the media coverage since he died has been uh, pretty – actually, I mean, m- much of it, the praise is well-deserved. The guy's a man's man. He's a, a better man than I would ever hope to be, a tough guy. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of things he did that I didn't like as a conservative. I thought he was uh, counterproductive to uh, the conservative cause many times. But the the way the media who just – trashed him when he ran against Obama in 2008, now acting like they loved him all along, and even though, what a rascal he was, and all that stuff, uh, bad. Uh, here's, here's what the New York Times wrote about him in 2008. The quest to win the presidency at an age when he would be too old to be a commercial airline pilot or even a judge in some states has already led Mr. McCain to adopt a more grueling campaign schedule and a more vigorous style. Not to be morbid, but eight vice presidents have succeeded presidents who died in office. But he does have white hair, scars from a bout with melanoma, and limited flexibility from the injuries he sustained as a prisoner of war in Vietnam. And the fact remains that by the end of a second McCain term, he would be in his 80s. So basically, the New York Times uh, said he was too old. And also, if I'm not re, uh, if I'm not um, mistaken... They also published a story uh, accusing him of having an affair at the time in 2008, and it wasn't very well sourced and uh, not very credible, but they went with it. So, um, the, and, and some of the other people I'm seeing on the networks, uh, ABC and CNN, just falling all over themselves to praise him. Uh, it's kind of phony to me. And uh, again, he deserves a lot of it, but uh, they are just so transparent in their hypocrisy. And you know what? They just, they never seem to care about that. So anyway, I just want, I thought I should throw that in there before we go. And uh, thanks for listening tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com